We are in a uh, series called Dreams to Destiny. It's by Robert Morris, and we're on week number four. And uh, we've talked about the, um, we talked about initially the first week, the pride test, and we talked about the pit test. I think last week we talked about the palace test. And uh, uh, this week we're going to talk about the purity test. And uh, so uh, Genesis 39, if you got your Bibles, or if you just want to follow along on the, on the overhead, if you didn't get a copy of sermon notes, just raise your head, hands and uh, our deacons will uh, make sure you get a copy. Uh, just keep them up. I'm going to start. It says, now Joseph, you know, was handsome in form and appearance. A lot of times we like to identify with people in the Bible. You know, I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Peter. I'm thinking, I want to be like Joseph. Handsome in form and appearance. <laughs> and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, now notice this, we're going to come back to this in a moment, cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with or what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand there is no one greater in this house than i nor has he kept anything back from me but you because you are his wife how then now notice what uh, joseph thinks about this and i want you to think about this for a second where do you get this idea that adultery or sleeping with this guy's wife might be wrong I mean, the law hasn't, we don't, they don't have the Ten Commandments yet. The Ten Commandments don't show up for another 400 years. So where does he get this idea that this, sleeping with this guy's wife could be wrong? He says, he says, how then can I do this great wickedness? Notice what he calls this, a great wickedness and a sin against God. So it was that she spoke to Joseph day by day, and that's one of the strategies of the enemy, that the enemy will come to you with the same temptation over and over and over again and try to wear you down. If you, you, know, if you want to read more about that, you can read it in the story of Samson. It says that Delilah, Delilah came to him time and time and time again you know, and finally wears him down. It says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so it was that she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not, but he did not heed to her. Uh, to lie with her and to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men were, uh, of the house were inside that she caught him by his garment. And I just need to throw this in. I mean, Joseph has got a garment problem. I mean, it was a garment got him in trouble and throw it in the pit in the first place. You think by now that he just set the thing aside. You know, I don't need a coat anymore. But she, uh, she calls, uh, catches him by the garment and says, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled. Notice that he fled and ran outside. And so it was that when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand uh, and that he had fled outside, she called to the men of the house and spoke to them saying, see, he, speaking about Potiphar, has brought into uh, us a Hebrew to mock us. And he came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice, and it happened when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. And so she kept his garment with her until the master came home. Again, that's Potiphar. Um, and then she spoke to him with these words, or with words like these, saying, the Hebrew 
whom you brought to us, came in to mock me. So it happened, I lifted up my voice and I cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. And so it was when the master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. And we go on and read, we talked about this, I think, last week, how he even found favor in the prison. But this morning I want to talk to us about sexual impurity. And uh, the first thing that I, I just want to point out, and we're going to just, you know, talk about several things that sexual impurity does, and sometimes we just kind of like, we don't, we don't give it a second thought. We're so inundated with it in our culture. I mean, it's on the radio, it's in advertising, it's on TVs, it's what we use to promote uh, products with, uh, you know, it's everywhere, and we are just bombarded on a daily basis. Um, but I know that many times we have a tendency to think that, well, you know, if it's just me, if I'm just doing this by myself, it doesn't affect anyone else besides me, what's wrong with it? Well, let me just share with you what's wrong with it. And I want to I just tell, the first, tell you the first thing that it does, it affects your sexual impurity uh, will affect the relationship that you have with your family. And let me just give you, I'm going to point out a couple of examples, you know, from God's Word that we see in 2 Samuel chapter 11, let me just point this out, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israel army, or the Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, and David remained in Jerusalem. And one evening, David got up out of bed. This is the time, remember, it was the time when kings go to war, and David didn't go to war. I mean, he was just there kind of like, you know, around the palace, one evening, David got up from his bed, walked out around on the roof of the palace, and from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers to her, and she came to him, and he slept with her, and she purified herself from her unclean. He says again, very much like Joseph, don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? Guess what? He could care less about her or her disgrace. And then she says, what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel for doing this. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger... Then she, he raped her. This is all in the Word of God. It may sound like something you'd read in the morning newspaper. And God's not ashamed to get the truth out there of what mankind is really like. It says, now notice this. After he rapes her, it says, and then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more then he loved her. Some of the translations say that the hatred that he hated her with was greater than the love that he loved her with. And Amnon says to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done to me. But he refused to listen to her, and he called his personal servants and said, get this woman out of here, and bolted the door after him. All right, just two chapters apart, you know, uh, we, we talk about uh, 
You know, the sins of the fathers being passed on, the iniquities of the fathers being passed on to the third and fourth generation. Now, in 2 Samuel 13, we read, notice this, we read that David, when he found out about this, that he was absolutely furious. He was furious that this had happened, but you know what? He didn't do one thing about it. He didn't do one thing. He didn't bring one word of correction, not one uh, word of discipline. He just kind of let it slide. And I believe that because of the sin that was in his own life, the sin, the iniquity that he had within himself blinded him to the sin that was in his children. Now notice this. It says, we'll read verses 11 and 12 again, that it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, that none of the men were in the, of the house were inside, and she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, and he left the garment in her hands and fled. I want to just tell you, that is a good lesson that men that we can learn from Joseph. The Bible tells us to flee. Notice this next passage of Scripture from Corinthians. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know? Do you not know? Think about this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, but you were bought with a price that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the Bible says for us to honor God with our bodies. Well, the first thing that we see that it will sexual impurity will affect uh, your family. And the second thing that we see is that sexual impurity will affect your relationship with God. Now, I've had people tell me, you know, that if we love each other and we're going to get married anyway, what difference does a piece of paper make? And I would just say to you, a piece of paper makes no difference at all. But what you're missing is you're missing the blessing of God. God will bless the marriage that's done right. He will pour out his blessing upon that marriage. I know that many times we think that God is a prude. You know, we think that, you know, he's looking down and trying to ruin all of our fun. But I want to tell you that just like you as a parent, if you see your children playing out in the street and you tell them to get out of the street, you're not being a prude because you're telling them to come out of the street. What you're trying to do is save their life so that later on they can enjoy life. And that's exactly what God is doing to us when he tells us, you know, this is the order. There is a divine order and, and marriage is to be done this way in the eyes of God. And when we get outside of that order, we bring destruction to our lives and to our families families, and to our children. We'll see more and more about that later on. Now, I want to just tell you that, that the root of all sexual immorality, listen to this, the root of all sexual immorality is deception, that we are deceived. And so when we see, just like David, you know, and I was looking at this again the, uh, this morning or last night and thinking about David's sin. You know, in order to cover up his sin, you know, the first thing that, that he does is he has to bring Uriah from uh, the field from battle, and he tries to entice uh, Uriah, tries to manipulate him to go back and sleep with his wife. And when Uriah doesn't do this, then he gets Uriah drunk, and then he has to lie about it, and then it ends up, he ends up having to have Uriah killed and bringing others into, you know, his plot and his plan also. And so that uh, when we see when we see this uh, 
you know, this uh, manipulation going on, the lying and the deception, and just think about it, you know, you have to do the same thing. Today, when you're, if you're going to be sexual, sexually immoral or impure, you got to do the same thing. You have to have a lie. You have to cover it up. Thinking about it, when your children come, uh, come to you and they're going out on a date, and, uh, you know, your daughter says to you, where you say to you, where are you going? And she says, oh, we're going out. We're going to have sex. We'll be, you, know, you say, fine, be home by 11 o'clock. That's not what they say. They have to, we're going to a movie. We're going to, we're going to go do this. We're going to go do that. And then when they come home, they say, you say to them, what'd you do? And then they have to lie again. Well, we did this. They're not telling the truth. And so the, the root of, uh, of this impurity is deception. We have to deceive. You guys are pretty quiet this morning. Listen to this. Uh, you know, when, when you begin to uh, be deceptive like that, you have to sneak around. You have to slip around to have sex, okay? And you create an appetite in you that God never intended you to have. You create an appetite that God never intended you to have. And... Uh, you develop an appetite for slipping around sex or sneaking around sex. Now listen to the, what the Word of God says. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 17. It says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. What in the world does that mean? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. It says, But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Now listen to the message. I'm going to read the same thing out of the message. Steal off with me. I'll show you a good time. No one will ever know. I'll give you the time of your life. But they don't know about all the skeletons in her closet that all her guests end up in hell. Okay? Psalms uh, chapter 32 David says, and this is after his sin, he says, day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now listen. What we talk about, what we're talking about here, he talks about three types of sin. He talks about iniquity, he talks about transgression, and he talks about sin. And Ezekiel chapter, uh, or Exodus chapter 34, it, the scripture says that God visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. He visits the iniquity, not there's another scripture that says that he punishes the sins to the third and fourth generation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this iniquity. And I want, I want you to understand this because I think, guys, if you understand this, if you guys will understand this, it's kind of like if I know what's motivating me, if I know, you know, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, I can kind of like head this thing off at the pass. I can stop this before it actually happens. But iniquity is kind of like an inward, it's that inward motivation, it's that inward bent. Like, like we talked about David, David had this inward uh, bent, this in, inward iniquity bent toward lust that eventually led toward uh, adultery. And that's what, it, that's what it's like, this iniquity is that inward 
uh, motivation. You're just kind of like motivated this way. You're bent in this direction of sin. And transgression is actually that outward movement. Transgression is a lot like the word that we use today, trespass. When you see a sign on a property that says, don't trespass, when you step across that line, that's what transgression is. You're stepping across that line that God says, don't step across. And so, um, uh, iniquity is inward, and inward motivation and transgression, transgression is that outward movement. Now, God's Word is so great in this. Notice in uh, Isaiah chapter 53 how God's Word just fits together like a glove. It says that He, speaking about Jesus, is talking about the Messiah, was wounded. Okay, that's that outward. The wound is on the outside. He was wounded for our transgression, and He was bruised. Okay, a bruised is that inward bleeding, that to inward bleeding. Hello. Okay. So we were saying that he was wounded. That's that outward. That's that outward uh, movement. Okay. He was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised. That inward bleeding. Okay, for our iniquities. That inward movement. All right. So the, what the Word of God is saying here is that Jesus, his death, uh, his death and uh, crucifixion covered it all. You covered it all. So what I'm saying is that, you know, when you do this, when you start uh, sneaking around, you develop an unhealthy or an ungodly appetite for sex that can only be satisfied by doing it over and over again. Um, so, um, and, and so, now, now follow me on this, okay? So now once you get married, once you get married, you know, you don't have to sneak around anymore, okay? And so... Everything's fine for a while, but then all of a sudden, the guy will come to the lady and say, you know what, it's just not the same as it used to be. Uh, and so he tries things to kind of like spice up the relationship and spice up the marriage. And, uh, and in doing that, you know, it's still not the same because he has created, and, and, and women, I just got to tell you, and girls, I got to tell you that when, when, you know, before you're married, if you start having a sexual relationship and you acquiesce, uh, you give in, uh, you know, to him, you allow him to have you, what you're doing is you're creating a sexual appetite in him that God never intended for him to have. And so uh, it's there. And, you know, it's not, it doesn't go away. And eventually what will happen is that, um, you know, he'll meet someone at the office and he'll start to flirt with that individual at the office. And all of a sudden the adrenaline starts to flow again because there's that unhealthy, ungodly appetite kicking in. And uh, because deception is at the root of this, that he will think that he loves her and doesn't love you anymore because he's feeling now with her what he felt with you at that time before you were married, and he will divorce you and marry her, and, uh, 
and then after a period of time, guess what? He doesn't have to sneak around anymore, and it starts all over again. And that's why we know people, and you know people, that have married, been married three and four and five times because of, the, of, of us creating or allowing to have created in us an unhealthy or an ungodly sexual appetite. Is this making sense to you guys? All right, I hope it is. So I know that some of you are saying, well, man, Ron, you know, I've, I've already, I've, I've done it. I bought the lie. I bought the lie of the devil. I, you know, we've, we've done that. We've done that. So what do we do now? Well, the answer is simple. You do what you do with any kind of sin. You repent. You ask God to forgive you for what you've done. Um, you may want to confess that to someone else, another uh, couple or a counselor or a pastor, and just say that we've done this, we ask, we're asking God. In fact, you'll have a an opportunity today, you know, after our service, uh, um, we'll have a, a prayer time, and, and you can just, you know, pray with, with one, of the, uh, uh, one of our prayer counselors. Um, I, you know, I've heard counselors say, and I've heard even other pastors say to men, don't, don't tell this to your wife. Don't share with your wife what you've done or what you've been thinking. You know, if you've got involved in something, you know, don't share that with her. I'm going to tell you that that's wrong. I mean, she should be the very first person that you should be able to share things with. And, and women, when, you know, your husband comes to you and begins to share things like that, you know, I just encourage you, don't feel slighted. Don't feel, uh, you know, betrayed. I mean, be glad that he, is, that he is sharing that with you because you're the one person that can help him. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. All right, the third thing that we see, first of all, we see that uh, uh, this uh, sexual uh, impurity affects your family. It affects your uh, faith uh, in God. And thirdly, we see that it, uh, sexual impurity affects your future. Uh, I believe that uh, Satan probably told Joseph, you know, look, you're just a slave. Uh, you're never going to amount to anything. You're in prison now. Um, you know, life is over for you. Um, your brothers have thwarted God's plan for your life. And let me just say this. The only person that can thwart God's plan or God's destiny for your life. Remember we started this thing. I was saying that God has given every one of us a dream and a destiny but the only person that could thwart your plan or uh, destiny for your life is you. You're the only one that can thwart it. And if, and if you've messed up along the way, I mean, the same thing that we just talked about earlier, if you've messed up, you just go back to God and just say, God, I blew it. I messed up. I'm sorry, Father. I repent. I confess it to you as sin. And I'm asking you that you'll put me back on that, that path to life again. You know, I would just say that, you know, that we all, God never intended us to go through life by ourselves. that we need the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important to have that supernatural power of God, the Holy Spirit living in you, dwelling in you, leading and guiding you uh, through life. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you'll be healed. Now, notice that. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. We confess our sins one to another. You know, uh, you, you may say, well, wait a minute. I thought I confessed my sins to God. It's true. You do confess your sins to God for forgiveness. 
The Bible says that if we confess our sins, that He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But notice what it says. It doesn't say that we confess our sins to one another for forgiveness. It says that we confess our sins one to another and pray for one another that we can be healed. I've got this iniquity in me. I am bent. I lean toward lust. And, uh, you know, if I'm leaning that way, I'm sick that way, and I need you to pray for me that I would be healed. All right, is that making sense? All right, come on, guys. you got to be with me this morning. I worked hard on this. <laughs> All right, the fourth thing that we see is that not only will uh, sexual impurity affect your family, your relationship with God, and your future, but... Uh, it begins, sexual impurity, we always think that it, it begins in our heart, but I, I want to just show you that I don't think that it, it affects your heart, but I don't think that it begins in the heart. I think that it begins in the eyes. Let's look in Genesis 39 again, verse 7. It says, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, notice this, cast longing eyes on Joseph. She cast longing, desiring eyes upon Joseph. Now, the Bible says, speaking about the eye, uh, Psalm 101, the psalmist said, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Proverbs 27 says, death and destruction are never satisfied, neither are the eyes of man. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad or dark, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then Proverbs chapter 6, verse 25 says, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or, be capt or let her captivate you with her eyes. And then Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 it says, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery, but I say to you, Anyone who looks, anyone who looks, this totally defies what the religious leaders were saying during the time of Christ. They felt like you could look. But Jesus said to the religious leaders, and he says to us today, notice the progression here. Whosoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed uh, adultery with her in his heart. He says, look, lead to lust, and lust leads to adultery. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is, don't look. Don't look. Now, I have to tell, I've, I've shared this story with some of you before, but I was at Dunkin' Donuts, this is, you know, many, a number of years ago, and I grabbed a coffee and donut, and I was walking back out to the truck, and I mean, just a beautiful, beautiful woman walked by, and uh, I, I turned around for that second look, and about the time that I turned around, I had the door open, this gust of wind hit the door, which hit me, coffee's going everywhere, and I felt like God's saying, you know, don't look, don't look, all right? So, uh, you know, and, and I've heard people say, you know, the first look is okay, it's the second look is where the problem is. You know what? We guys, we, we figured that out. We just take one good, long first look. All right, so the problem is that we don't have a, a lust problem. We got a looking problem. We, you know, men, we're looking at, you know, porn. We're looking at magazines. We're looking at Internet. You know, we're looking at movies and things like this. The Bible says don't look. Don't look. And so, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to just say just in wrapping this up that, you know, men, if you, if you struggle in this area, 
I want to encourage you to, you know, go to your wife, and, and again, she's the one person that needs to know so that you guys can struggle together, that you can pray together, and you can struggle together. And, and ladies, I would just say again, you know, when your husband comes to you and says he's struggling in this area, you know, don't feel insecure and don't think that he doesn't love you. It's not that, uh, you know, that he uh, has a love problem. Potiphar's wife did not have a love problem. She had a lust problem. If she had a love problem, she wouldn't have let uh, Joseph sit in prison for 13 years. She wouldn't have allowed that to happen. But she had a lust problem, and that's what many of us have today is a lust problem. So, um, you know, when um, let me just uh, you know, the the Bible says that that Satan can appear as an angel of light, but we know that Satan loves to work in darkness, and he will try to keep all of this in darkness as long as he can. And what you do. When you begin to talk about this and bring it to the light, you're exposing these hidden works of darkness. Now, uh, ladies, I, I want to just say this to you, uh, that when the young man asks you to give in and give it to him, I want to just tell you the very thing that you're giving him to keep him will be the very thing that causes you to lose him because you're helping him to create this unhealthy, this ungodly appetite for sex, okay? And, you know, he will never be able to fulfill that again except for going outside into the unnatural, ungodly way. Uh, again, notice what the scripture said uh, about David's son, uh, his son and his daughter. He says, and Amnon hated her with an intense hatred. In fact, he hated her. This is after they had the sex. He hated her more than he loved her. And he said to her, get up and get out. So I, I want us to just think about this in closing, closing today. I, I know it's big. I know it's a major issue in families. But it does. Sexual impurity will affect your family. It will affect your faith in God. It will affect your future, your future ability. If Joseph would have continued, if he had fallen and continued in that, I promise you he would not have been the deliverer of Israel. Uh, he would not have been that, that man that God chose. And, you know, when we make mistakes, when we sin and when we fall, God can forgive us and put us back on that straight and narrow but if you continue down that road, you can never continue on that road in sin and believe that God is going to fulfill his destiny in you. You've stopped it. You've stopped the moving of God. So I encourage you to, um, to just yield to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you this. I'm just going to wrap this up. And, you know, many years ago, uh, I, uh, I called Nina and I, I just told her, I said, you know, I am, uh, I, I'm struggling in this area. And, uh, um, and I told her, I said, you know what, I've just prayed. I said, I have prayed that God would kill me, that he would just strike me dead before I would fall in this area. And you know what she said? Um, you know, you, you think she's nice. <laughs> she said, you know what, you don't have to worry about God. He, he is way too nice. He is way too forgiving. You fall, I will kill you myself.
stand with me, please? I, I just want to encourage you that if you're struggling, men or women, you know, uh, they say that um, that sex is right up for man's needs, men's needs. Sex is number one, one or two. For women, it's not that uh, high on the list. I think it's like number 13. Gardening is number 12. Uh, romance, I think, is higher on the women's list. Uh, but you can have, you can de develop an unhealthy uh, appetite for both sex and for romance that is not according to God's word. And if you feel like you've moved in that area, you treat it just like any other sin. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to change. He's, you know, God is in the heart transplant business. He says that I will give you a new heart. That's why David said, God created me a new heart, a clean heart, and renew, renew a right spirit within me. Now, if you're struggling with that, you know, you could, you could have that opportunity. Now, I'm going to ask our uh, prayer ministers if you guys would just go over against the wall. And if you feel like the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you this morning about something that you need to do or perhaps that you need to confess, if you want to do it, you can do it individually. You can do it as a couple. While our prayer or our worship team is coming back, we're going to close in just one final uh, uh, song, and uh, then we'll be dismissed. But I don't want you to rush out. I, I just believe that God is saying, you know what, we're on to something this morning. And uh, just like Joseph, there were those, the, the character tests that he had to overcome. There were 10 character tests that he had, had to overcome in his life before he could reach his destiny. I believe that God was saying to some of us this morning that this is a character flaw. This is a character issue in your life that we've got to deal with before you can move forward. Uh, just join with me in prayer. And again, uh, let's not be too quick to, to want to leave. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to work this morning. We'll worship. You'll have an opportunity to pray if you want to. Uh, and I know that some of you are thinking, well, if I go up for prayer, everybody's going to know what I'm praying about. They're going to think that I'm one of these people that have a problem. But let me just say this, that we all have struggles in life, and maybe yours is not lust, and maybe it's not in this area. But I promise you that we've all got areas in our life that we need to lift to the Lord for prayer. I encourage you to go and allow someone to pray with you.